It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves, feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to monday.com. Confidence starts with loving who you are. And when your skin feels nourished and glows on the outside, you naturally radiate confidence from the inside. Give your skin a glow up with Osea's clinically proven Mega Moisture Duo. This ultra-hydrating body care features two of Osea's bestsellers, Andaria Algae Body Oil and Andaria Collagen Body Lotion. These seaweed-powered heroes use skincare-level ingredients normally reserved for your face for results you can see and confidence you can feel. Osea has been making clean, clinically proven seaweed-infused face and body care products for over 28 years. This luxurious skincare is vegan, cruelty-free, and climate-neutral certified, so you never have to choose between your values and your best skin. Glow from the inside out. Get 10% off your first order with code GLOW at oseamalibu.com. That's O-S-E-A malibu.com, code GLOW. The Late Lunch with Blackstone Motors. Get low as can be APR, zero deposit required, and finance arranged within four hours with all 192 pre-ordered Renaults. What are you waiting for? There's never been a better time to visit Blackstone Motors, Dundalk, Drogheda or Cavan. You're very welcome to Thursday afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Coming up a little later in the show, Nicola Connolly-Byrne tells us a horrific story, really, of an attack that she intervened in, but nobody came to her of the person being attacked aid. Uh, Giovanna and Ephraim Filia with us, they are just brilliant people. Uh, they compose and write and perform liturgical music, and we're going to hear from them after two on the show today. And we'll also be meeting the three best young entrepreneurs in County Mead who are going forward to the regional finals. Don't forget you can contact us on 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp or text across social media or if you'd like to call in it's 1857-15958. My first guest today has given the greater part of his life to politics and public service. Finnegale councillor, TD and government minister Alan Shatter was thrown to the wolves by his own people when forced to resign his justice and defence ministerial portfolios on May the 7th, 2014. In the wake of two reports condemning his conduct, he subsequently lost his Doyle seat in 2016 at the general election. And in his new book, Frenzy and Betrayal, Alan Shatter has his say about the events surrounding his political demise. And I'm delighted to say Alan is on the line with me this afternoon. Good afternoon, Alan. Good afternoon. Thank you very much for joining me. I was thinking about this interview and a phrase came to mind. Revenge is a dish best served cold. (laughs) No, this book has nothing to do with revenge on anybody. Um, There were an unprecedented series of Garda-related controversies in 2014. Uh, A lot of the opposition alleged that I, as Minister for Justice, was covering up Garda misconduct, that I was uh, telling lies to the Doyle about various issues. And we ended up, in the end of the day, with two commissions of investigation and one uh, uh, inquiry which established that in the context of each of those, uh, I told the truth and dealt appropriately with, with issues. Uh, what this book I- is trying to do 
is provide a chronological inside account of what happened in politics at that time, uh, detail the fractured relationship between truth and politics, uh, the relationship between politicians and the media, and the manner in which uh, false narratives can get widespread uh, credibility and impact on the perception of good people who follow politics through the media and through broadcasting, uh, and to try and detail issues of huge importance to our democracy, the importance of uh, no one being condemned without a fair hearing, the importance of truth, the importance both within the Fine Gael party and in the wider body, body politic of people recognise the importance of certain values and principles. Uh, because if we have an action replay of the type of events that uh, I experienced, uh, it will only do further damage to politics. It will make people uh, a great deal more cynical than they are already. Uh, and it poses the, the continuing risk of democratically elected politicians, properly appointed to government, who have a serious reform agenda, uh, being effectively hounded out of office by false allegations. So I, I think, uh, I hope the book does more than simply talk about the events I experienced. I hope it, it sets a challenge to those involved in politics and journalism to take truth more seriously and not to uh, condemn people uh, without a fair hearing or without at least checking allegations and ensuring that what is being alleged or printed has some basis in accuracy. It certainly does all you say there in the over 400 pages. Don't worry about that. But here's the thing, Alan. You are a high-profile minister, you know, leading this country in government, and this can happen to you. This is a real worry. You know, if you're the ordinary man or woman in the street who's involved at home, in their communities, in business and that, and you see what happened to you, if it can happen to you, it can happen to anybody. Well, this, this is the warning I, I'm trying to sound. I, I totally appreciate that during that very odd period in 2014, uh, there was all sorts of allegations flying around. And for people looking in from the outside, you wouldn't know the truth of it. Mm. And the, the frenzy and betrayal, the frenzy in the title, relates to false allegations made by a series of opposition uh, politicians who were seeking uh, political prominence and approval from uh, the media. And the frenzy of the media in um, extravagantly um, exaggerating allegations and indeed promoting allegations that were entirely untrue. Now, in government, uh, it's extraordinarily difficult when you know uh, quite genuinely you are dealing properly with an issue. You know you're telling the truth. You're not trying to evade anything. You're not trying to mislead. Uh, and you find yourself constantly accused of telling lies. In the book, uh, I liken it to suddenly finding yourself living in a, in a parallel universe uh, in circumstances in, in which uh, truth seems to become uh, utterly and completely irrelevant. Uh, the, the oddity of the whole thing was, and we tried in government, and I had the support of Fine Gael colleagues in this, to ensure that these issues were fully and properly addressed. And, and my direct downfall and the difficulties uh, that I found myself in that I had to address in the years that followed derived from the odd circumstance of a uh, senior counsel, Mr. Sean Gearan, uh, being appointed by government to conduct a preliminary uh, inquiry to determine uh, what issues might be addressed 
by what we call a statutory commission of investigation. And unexpectedly, he went beyond his terms of reference, uh, condemned me out of hand, uh, gave me no opportunity to address his concerns, uh, didn't give me five minutes of his time, uh, and I found myself damned. And his, in the context of the public and the media, appeared to affirm allegations previously made. Uh, My concern is to ensure no one in the future finds himself in that position. Two years later, it was clearly established uh, that his criticism of me was entirely mistaken, and it took until February of this year for court proceedings in which I felt I had no choice but to engage involving Mr. Guerin to be finalized in the Supreme Court with the Supreme Court confirming a decision of two years earlier of the Court of Appeal that he hadn't given me a fair hearing and going further by saying he never had any uh, powers to condemn uh, to condemn anybody. So the book, uh, the book deals with a great deal more than that. This is a very brief outline. It looks at yes. relationships within politics, uh, the manner in which the major per- political personalities of the time, many of whom are still uh, to the forefront in Irish politics, the leader of Fianna Fáil, Niall Collins, who was then Fianna Fáil's justice spokesperson, uh, Claire Daly and Wallace and members of Sinn Féin, uh, the manner in which these things were dealt with in the Doyle, the false allegations that were made, uh, what was being written and broadcast at the time, and just the internal engagement uh, within government and how we attempt to address it. Now, you mentioned a lot of people there, and look at uh, Daly and Wallace are away to Europe at, at this stage, as you know, after the recent elections. But here's the thing. Let's talk to some about some people closer to home for you at that stage. You had Taoiseach Enda Kenny was there. Our current Taoiseach was involved as well, and you write about this. You are a long time in politics, a long time in Fine Gael. You've served with these people. You've been with Enda Kenny a long time. And as I said in the introduction, he really throws you to the wolves. Why? Well, I was a member of the Fine Gael party for some 38 years and a very active member. Uh, I was one of those who uh, helped prepare uh, various election programmes, including the one that resulted in our uh, being elected to government in 2011. I was involved in negotiating uh, the terms of government with the Labour Party. Um, And effectively, I think it's only fair to say that until... It was certainly my perception that until the Gearan report emerged, um, Enda Kenny was both supportive of me in difficult circumstances and dealt with things with a great deal of decency. And I'd have expected, frankly, nothing other than that yes. from him. Um, uh, I, he was someone I admired. I had a great affection for him. Uh, the Gearan report arrives in. Um, it, it contains a very... Uh, substantial criticism of me. That criticism is enormously damaging to my good name and reputation. Uh, Mr. Guerin, quite correctly, had interviewed Sergeant Morris McCabe, whose complaints were at the foundation of the Guerin inquiry. Uh, he'd spent 19 hours talking to Morris McCabe, and I've no complaint about that. Um, he never gave me five minutes of his time. Um, and uh, suddenly I was condemned, and quite clearly, the content of his report made my position in government untenable. But really, did it? Did, did you not? You've you, you been vindicated subsequently. Could oh, well, you, you not see, have I, stood I, your ground? It, it took two years later for me to vindic- uh, be vindicated. I know. I explained to the then Taoiseach Gandhi Kenny, firstly, that Kieran hadn't ever talked to me. Secondly, I'd been given no opportunity to address his concerns. Thirdly, that his criticism was mistaken. Um, Kenny's response was that he could no longer 
express confidence in me in government. Now, you know as a minister that that is... The uh, end of the line. That's, that's the death sentence. Mm. Now, even at that point, I somewhat naively uh, uh, trusted Kenny. I, I, I felt he should have given me greater time to consider the report. I mean, literally, it was handed to me, and with hours I had to resign. It was impossible to even read the entirety of your way through it. Um, but afterwards, there was a pretense made of concern about what occurred, and he'd follow it all up, and we had meetings, which he took extensive notes. Of course, nothing occurred. He did nothing about it. I made a Doyle speech pointing out that no one uh, should be given the job of conducting inquiry and act as um, investigator, uh, judge, and executioner. And I was critical publicly of Mr. Gearan's failure to engage with me, both in my letter of resignation and in that Doyle speech. Now, unfortunately, in, in the months that passed, I got a very disappointing insight into uh, Ender Kenny's engagements, uh, into his character. Issues arose in the context of hearings before something called the Senley Commission, which was investigating uh, one of the Garda uh, controversies. And um, ultimately, uh, I, I formed the view uh, that he had not dealt with ma ma uh, the, the, the difficulties in a manner that I would have expected. Mm. Uh, I joined Fine Gael because I thought as the party that respected the rule of law, that there was a basic decency uh, within the Fine Gael party, uh, a basic uh, fairness of approach to issues. Um, and I discovered that that wasn't uh, a, a true perspective of where things stood as we went through uh, 2014 into 2015. Is that um, what you believe today? Do, have you lost faith in Fine Gael? Well, in, uh, the, uh, I, let me give you a two-pronged answer to that. I've not lost faith in the members of Fine Gael. I, I've met so many fantastic okay. members of Fine Gael over the years throughout the country at local meetings in Ardeshina. Uh, I still meet people as I travel around Ireland who are members of Fine Gael who are extremely nice and supportive and uh, the fantastic committed people to the Fine Gael party. Uh, what I've lost faith in as I went through my experience of youth and yours was the leadership of Fine Gael, the, the, the capacity to not always tell the full truth about issues. And do you believe that about Leo Varadkar today? Well, I, let, let me just say that when we got to the spring of 2018, I decided because of my perspective of the leadership of Fine Gael, there was little point in my maintaining my membership of the party. So with some regret, uh, I ceased to be a member. So you have cut your ties? Effectively, yes. And I, I, I explained that. Yes, and I think, I think that says an awful lot. You know, Alan, when you talk about Enda Kenny and how uh, your relationship ended up uh, around this whole affair, the, the, himself and Brian Hayes then went on to really put the boot into you when ahead of the 2016 general election they sent this flyer out to your Dublin South constituency looking for people to vote for Josepha Madigan and she won the seat and you lost your seat. Doesn't it show you that in politics, within parties, it's even more vicious than between parties? Well, I think on occasion it can be, but I'm also conscious that when uh, Fine Gael candidates are running in elections in every constituency, there's a rivalry between the individual candidates as well as with the other parties. And I, I don't uh, criticise Josepha Madigan in, in any shape or form. Uh, the, the difficulty, and this was my final insight into um, into Enda Kenny's engagement with me. My difficulty with the 2016 election uh, w was relatively straightforward. 
Uh, my reputation had been damaged by false allegations made. We were three months away from my vindication by the uh, report that Judge O'Higgins was preparing. And uh, I had represented the Dublin South constituency for many years. The, the boundaries were changed. We went from a five- to a three-seater, and we were running in the dunleary Rathdown constituency. We started off the election optimistically hoping we might win two seats. A week before polling day, absolutely clear that that wasn't on, absolutely no chance of anything other than one seat. Uh, and I found myself in a position, having in the past always agreed to strategic engagements to maximise our votes and our, uh, and, and our candidates who were elected, I found myself in a position where I was being told uh, that a flyer was going to go out to crucial parts of the constituency where there was a substantial number of Fine Gael voters uh, requesting that um, the number one vote uh, go to my colleague. And the implication was that my seat was safe and the flyer uh, was signed uh, I think it was more serious that it was signed by Enda Kenny as Taoiseach and leader of the party than by Brian Hayes, who was the uh, at least nominal director of elections. Uh, I, I protested. I said if that occurred, the um, uh, Fine Gael would still only get one seat, but I, I would lose my seat. And that, I was entirely ignored, and that eventually happened. And um, uh, th- there are occasions when strategic mistakes are made and events occur in elections that weren't intended. Uh, but... I have very little doubt at this stage that the intention was, based on uh, the fact that it was disapproved that I was challenging Mr. Gearan in the courts, it was disapproved that I'd con- uh, contradicted some evidence of Enda Kenny before it was known as the Fenley Commission. I, I have absolutely no doubt uh, that the intention was, if there was only one Fine Gael seat, I wouldn't win it. Uh, and uh, I leave it to readers, based on what happened subsequent to that election, uh, as in the context of what uh, frenzy and betrayal details to determine uh, whether that judgment of mine is accurate or not. Um, Mm. uh, I believe that it is, and uh, I do believe that uh, in no circumstances should any party leader or Taoiseach undermine the integrity of an election, and uh, that is effectively what happened. The integrity of that election was undermined. Now, I may well have lost my seat uh, without the leaflet being distributed. There were uh, local difficulties in the constituency. My reputation had been impacted. But certainly the belief of those working with me uh, as we, when we were a week before uh, away from polling day was that things were going better than expected and the likelihood was that I w- would retain my seat. Um, and uh, I do believe that that leaflet had a fundamental impact. And, of course, I, I know it did from a number of voters who subsequently expressed to me their surprise that I'd lost my seat and who were loyal Fine Gael voters for many years and who informed me that they had given my colleague their number one vote because they assumed the instruction from Fine Gael would result in two, two TDs being elected. Blindly following the party, yes. I have a question from a listener. It's a yes or no answer from you. They want to know if a general election is called and you have your vote, will you vote Fine Gael? Well, I think the... the <laughs> Uh, the other, the, the the more interesting question a lot of people are asking me is, w- will I run again? Uh, and 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 there's a there's a, a truthful answer to that, uh, which, which is I I have not made a final decision okay. about that. Oh. I've never run in an election without other than being a Fine Gael candidate. Um, I, I can't move around my constituency, go shopping or go for a walk, without uh, some constituent or more than one coming up to me and either asking me am I going to run again or urging me to run again. Yes. So I, I have 
an open mind in that. It would be, for me, somewhat odd uh, be, uh, be odd to run as an election candidate and not part of the Fine Gael team and family. Uh, but um, for me, uh, this is an open question to which I've uh, made, no de- uh, made no definitive decision mm. about. Uh, at one stage, certainly, it was less rather than more likely that I would run again. But in the context of uh, the number of people who are in contact with me about this, uh, I'm leaving this as an open question. I'm not going to make any uh, speedy decisions about that. Um, I think uh, I think my family would prefer that I moved on and forgot <laughs> entirely about yes. politics. And, I wouldn't uh, blame them, Alan. And that this book was perhaps my, 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 my final <laughs> uh, uh, foray into uh, political issues, you know. <laughs> there you are. Well, maybe we have uh, an interesting uh, thought there to keep with us. And uh, listener, you heard there, never mind the vote. He, uh, he hasn't ruled out politics again. Of course, you'd have to be selected through the local commons there, I take it, and uh, be uh, picked as a, as a candidate. Well, I, I, I'm not a member of Fine Gael at the moment. Okay, so you'd have absolutely, to rejoin. <laughs> there's absolutely no possibility okay. in the short term okay. of that happening. So if I was to be a candidate, uh, I wouldn't see that I'd be being that I would be a candidate carrying the Fine Gael. Okay, label. okay. So that's uh, that's and and even though you said a moment ago that you'd like to you'd like to be part of the party again and run for the party, yes? No, no, I didn't say that. No. I, what I would like and what I do hope is that, that I hope. Uh, many of my friends in Fine Gael, many yes. of those who met me over the years, yeah. many of the current membership of Fine Gael, uh, read and buy, read, buy this book and read Frenzy and Betrayal. Uh, and I would say to those who are interested in the book, it's not all serious. It's not oh, all no. about Absolutely. tribunals and commissions of investigation. And that's only really a, a, a small segment of the book. There's, I hope, a good deal of humour in the book and insights into the way politics works. And indeed, the, the, the engagement between politicians and journalists and I hope they see the book as a challenge to restore to the Fine Gael party the values and principles uh, that I uh, believe in, that were very much part of that party and which were respected in years gone by by the leadership of the party, and that uh, uh, someone starts attaching some real importance to the concept of truth, to dealing with issues in a truthful manner, not dealing with them on the basis of media spin or sort of short-term insights as to what might uh, avoid a difficulty in the next day's newspapers or get an uh, applause in the next day's newspapers. There are really serious issues that, despite the great improvement in our economy, that the government currently is not adequately addressing. It's an issue for Fine Gael, and I think it's an issue for Fine Gael members. We have a couple of minutes before we have to go and before we leave this conversation. And I, I will say what, and I, I definitely confirm what you say there. You're a brilliant writer besides writing this memoir of those times. And we know that anyway, and it comes through in this book. The final chapter is called Closure and a Pyrrhic Victory. Do you believe you have closure? And was the victory a Pyrrhic one? Well, at least we've got to the end of what's been uh, a five-year battle. It shouldn't have been a necessary battle. Um, commissions of investigation and inquiries are all finished. Um, uh, uh, I've been found by all of them in which I was engaged in issues of relevance to have been truthful and dealt with those issues appropriately. The court proceedings happily now in the Supreme Court are over. Uh, there, are, there are serious issues uh, around Mr. Guerin and uh, to date, uh, having destroyed my reputation and arbitrarily condemned me, he's neither publicly apologised nor explained publicly why he went beyond his terms of reference, uh, why he rushed to judgment in the manner in which he did. Uh, I believe that's an important issue. 
Uh, I don't know why, after his conclusions were found to be mistaken, he continued uh, appealing uh, the court proceedings from the Court of Appeal to the Supreme Court uh, when it was quite clear he had made a grievous error and uh, done me great personal damage. I don't know whether he was in contact with government, whether government encouraged him to appeal or whether this was simply his own individual independent mm. decision. So th- there, are, there are sort of serious issues around that that remain. But to an extent, uh, I-, I do hope that the battle I fought would ensure uh, that no government minister of any party will in the future be, be wrongly condemned and hounded out of office. Alan, I have to leave it there, Just, and I think that's a nice way to finish as well today. We're just heading into our news bulletin at two o'clock. Well done on the book, Frenzy and Betrayal, The Anatomy of a Political Assassination by Alan Shatter. It's out there now, widely available. It's over 400 pages. You'll enjoy every one of them. Alan, wish you well, and uh, as they say, never say never when it comes to politics. Well, thank you very much, and thank you for your time. (laughs) Not at all. Thank you for joining me. Alan Shatter there, former uh, Minister for Justice. Competition time on late lunch in conjunction with Windsor, Clonig, Nissan and Peugeot dealers who are celebrating their 192 Open Day this Saturday. We have a €100, Euro, one for all voucher to give away today on late lunch. And if you enter the competition, we're going to Windsor on Saturday. Special outside broadcast, LMFM will be there. If you enter today and anyone who's entered during the week, your names go into a draw for an, an annual family pass to Dublin Zoo. That's a nice prize, isn't it? So to win the 100 one for all voucher today, here's the question. If you hopped into your car at Windsor in Clonee, in Clonee and travelled to Clonmel, I like that, Clonee to Clonmel, it sounds, it rings, it has a ring to it, hasn't it? How many kilometres would you rack up on the clock of your car? Would it be 176, 178 or 181? How many kilometres, Clonee to Clonmel, 176, 178? or 181 take your pick Google it do what you want enter the competition 086-1800-658 by WhatsApp text and get cracking straight away we'll pick a winner before the end of the show now my next guest I said to them a minute ago what will I describe you as I had an idea in my head they've put me off course altogether they said we're musicians we're singers we're composers but they do have an emphasis on liturgical music. That's what I wanted to say. Let's hear from them. I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch today, Giovanna and Ephraim Feely. You're very welcome to the show. Good to see you both. Thanks for dropping into us today. And they're going to play for us, folks, in a little while because the wonderful Deirdre McCabe and Dervla Walsh are here as well. So we're going to have music in a little while. You're both welcome as well to the show. Anyway, let's start with the Feelys, which yourself, Giovanna. That is without doubt, an Italian name. Definitely is. Where are you from? Well, I'm from actually North Strand in Dublin originally. Yes. Um, As I could say a lot of Ashburn people, I'll be killed for that, Mm -hmm. are from Dublin. But I was born in Italy and my dad was Italian, so hence my maiden name was Giovanna Salvati and people say I should have kept it. (laughs) But I didn't. (laughs) That's a lovely ring to that name, isn't isn't there as well? Yes, please, say it once more. Giovanna Salvati. Oh, I love it, I love it. What part of Italy? In Rome. In Rome, very near the Vatican actually which Beautiful. people would say might be fate. But no, anyway, definitely yeah, yeah. not. Uh, what a place to come from and a wonderful city it is to visit as well. So much to do and enjoy. Mm. Tell us the story then of coming to Ireland. How did that happen? Or? Well, we came over when I was a very small child yeah. um, and settled in Dublin. So that's kind of how it begins. So people wonder why there isn't an Italian accent. So that's why. <laughs> but myself and Ephraim met then in college. We went to Master Day Institute of Education to be religion teachers. And um, we both were very interested in music. Ephraim took music as part of his degree. But he, I'll let him tell the story. He likes to tell a story of how we met because it's all about music as well. <laughs> Come on, all Ephraim. All about music, yeah. So we were walking. 
separately. And um, down the road one day, and Giovanna just hung back, you know, and she just spotted this uh, dashing young man the behind her, and chap. she said, "How do you go and jo- how do you go about joining the college choir?" So I said, "Yeah, I'll tell you, <laughs> sit beside me next Monday, and then then we'll separate." I tell you, I tell you, the musicians what? always get the girls. Yeah. What chat-up <laughs> lives they wear on both of your parts as well. You. There was a free on there coming Maybe. together. For some. Maybe so. I love your Christian name. Yeah. Yeah. What's the what's the, 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 the story behind Ephraim? Well, the story behind Ephraim, Ephraim was a Syrian saint and uh, his feast day is June the 9th. So we might go out for a meal or do something nice on June the 9th. J- just to note, he wasn't born on June the 9th. His mother got the calendar wrong, but she kept the <laughs> yeah. name. I was born close to June the 9th. So. Yeah. Birthday's coming. <laughs> Only in Ireland. Real Italian type story, you know, like yeah. that. Whatever yeah. it is, it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. But uh, from that time, obviously, it, it was clicked straight away, yeah, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah, from there. I mean, people from Matter Day and from that time would know us as being the people in music, you know, that we always did music together. And when we met really straight away, we started to sing and perform together. So it was the start of a professional partnership as well as, as, well as the rest. Mm. Yeah. You both qualified as teachers, religious mm. education teachers yeah. as well. Are, 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 are you're still teaching. You're in Mercy, I'm still aren't teaching, you? You're yeah. Mercy, Mercy now. Yeah. Yes. What yeah. about you? I was teaching down in Holy Family in Newbridge for a number of years. And then through church music, I went into full-time pastoral work in parish. And that was actually in Ashburn. And then I worked there for seven years with still involvement in schools. And then I went to Maynooth to study liturgical music. I did a master's in liturgical music and then ended up working in Maynooth for 10 years. So the music has always been there mm. and it's it's grown and grown. But we're both still very much involved in education in general, as well as in second level, as Ephraim says. You know, the faith, it's really collapsed in Ireland. No need to tell you about this and religious education. Is it still a significant factor in Catholic schools, obviously? In, in Catholic schools, it is. You know, they're, they're, the students have religion two or three times a week. Um I don't find it a particularly difficult subject to teach. I think mm. kids, by and large, are very interested in it. They may not practice. I mean, we're into probably the second or third generation of church non-practice. Yes. But um, I think people are still very interested in it. Mm. You know? mm. So it, it's, an, it's an easy thing. And, and mm. what about students who... Do some students opt out? And have they that right? Not Very to- few. They have a right to, to opt out, yeah, particularly maybe at senior level. But, um, I mean, we teach all faiths. We teach none. We teach... We, we do a little bit of catechesis, but I mean, it's primarily religious education, which is teaching yes. as, a, as an mm. academic subject. So teachers and your music career, teaching and music career, you combine and of yeah. course your yeah, family yeah. and everything else mm. that goes along with it. So you have a, a lovely blend there. We yeah. do. It's you it. do. So, so back, yeah. to your, back to yourself, uh, Giovanna, what, what are you doing at the moment? Right, You're not in the formal system now. No, no. no. I was working in Maynooth, as I said, for 10 yeah. years, um, and that was in pastoral theology. So it relates to what you're, you've just mentioned in terms of training and formation of ministers to go out and work in parishes and and to work in the church. But I was there for 10 years and we had our three children uh, very close together and very recently. And the music was always kind of there on the sidelines that, you know, I'd be a semi-professional musician. And I just thought, well, you know, now's the time to answer that call that music's been knocking and really just to, to go for it. So I'm a full-time professional musician now. Um, and that's that's what I do. And that's Deirdre and Dervler here as well. And they're yes. very involved in music too. So it's a fantastic way of life, I have to say. What's the group Every you're all different. involved in? Yeah. Well, our group is called Divisi, okay. um, as in parts dividing together. So we sing in three-part harmony. And we got back a long way that we've all sung chorally together. And just at the start this year, we said, let's, you know, now that we, some of us have a bit more time, we said, let's see what more we can do. So we had our, our big debut, I suppose you'd say, in a concert in All Hallows in April. 
and we sang two pieces there and we're going from strength to strength. We have a number of things coming up now. So, so exciting a woman, with, times. A, a woman with three young children has loads of uh, opportunity <laughs> with time. Lots of free time. Absolutely. We, we want to talk to you a bit more. There are people listening today going, wow. No, give that's me, the next programme. Give me the formula. Show me the recipe here. <laughs> Just back to you, Efren, because sure. it's important to mention this. The Pope was in Ireland for the meeting of world families mm-hmm. quite recently, and you have a unique distinction. I Tell do. us about it. Yes, and indeed. Probably around a year and a half before the events, um, they they had a, they put a call for composers to write a hymn for, that would become an anthem for the, the events, and my own hymn was chosen. So Congratulations. Good, good claim to fame, that, yeah. That is a very yeah. special yeah. thing, I'm sure, in your it life. It is, yeah. Yeah, it is, yeah. I mean, it's... It's a hymn that it's it's done the rounds. It's been translated into many languages. It's been sung all over the world. The most recent recording, that I think, was in Singapore. Mm. It's it's taken wings, um, and it fitted perfectly, I think, for the occasion. So mm. I, mean, I was, was honoured to be involved in that way. Can I ask you about your families? You know, on, on either side and their faith, and and where you get this from? Are you both from very deeply religious, believing clans? Uh, no. <laughs> uh, yes. He wasn't expecting that answer. Oh, hold on. The boots on the wrong foot here. I am so surprised. Yeah. Roma. Ah, Roma, indeed. <laughs> but, um, well, maybe everyone should talk first, but my family would be um, non-practising. A little bit anti-church. We wouldn't have been going to Mass every Sunday. I know for my first Holy Communion, my mum said, I'll bring you for a few now beforehand. And we stood down the back and we were the ones that slipped out at Communion and so on, you know. So um, very non-traditional. So, And that's I think it's very pertinent to what we're talking about because it was through music that I became involved in church. I wouldn't have been otherwise. Um, so, yeah, not a traditional family, but maybe more typical of people now, as yes. you mentioned earlier. Yes, so, mm-hmm. yeah. Ephraim. My own background, yeah. My parents, very religious, go to church every week several mm. times a week maybe now mm. um, we would have had rosary at home just very very traditional yes. Irish Catholic family Yeah. Mm. W- what about your own children now what's your take on this where will yeah. where will they go yeah yeah well uh, our eldest has just started school she's five so she's in one of the local parish schools she's in Grailscunnachilla in Ashburn um, I mean I suppose our sense of it is that Religious education has always, you know, been part of our lives and our children will have that from us and from coming to Mass and from the music we do. But, and I was mentioning this earlier to someone, that we kind of forget maybe with the the breakdown of the crisis, as you've said, in the church in Ireland, that in Ireland the church has always invested hugely in education and, you know, in other countries people are knocking down the door to get into Catholic schools. We're very lucky that they're still part of our communities, Mm so we'll definitely be sending our children to Catholic schools and, you know, availing of the sacraments because we feel it's an important way of making sense of life. Yeah, and that is, that is so true what you say. The demand for Catholic education around the world is yeah, yeah. phenomenal now. Absolutely. And it's, 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 it's an, it's an irony, isn't it? Yeah, yes, yeah, it, is. it, it really is. So you compose, you play and you're going to sing for us in a few moments. But before we go to the break and then we're going to hear the music, I want to put the two of you on the spot. Have you a favourite piece of music or hymn or religious song <laughs> that oh, you love? Goodness. Come that's on. A, that's a tough one. That is a very tough one. Very, very tough one. Do you want a few minutes to think about yeah, that? Yeah, I think and you so. Tell me after break. I'm, I'm too kind. You know what I mean? Others would say, tell me now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm going to let you out on that one for a moment. But we are going to hear what that is after the break. And we're going to hear some beautiful music because Deirdre McCabe and Deirdre Walsh are here with Giovanna and Ephraim Feely. Stay with us on Late Lunch. Giovanna, name that tune. Name that tune. Well, actually... 
Um, it's hard to choose from, but I think my favourite would be Be Still My Soul, which is a setting up, yeah, oh. Finlandia by Sibelius. It's just so beautiful. It's it really, really is, yeah. And I, I always find it. it moves me every time I hear it. I, I sing love it. it. Yeah, Ephraim? Yeah. Um, probably the Mozart Requiem. Yes, another brilliant, brilliant. It, it must be so. I know I put you on the spot and pick one and one. <laughs> yeah, so you yeah. probably have listed. Exactly. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Can I mention mine? You can. you can. I love the cup final song, Abide With Me. Oh, yeah. It I is do fantastic. I absolutely piece. love it. I yeah. think it's a great piece of music. Now, there's lots more besides what we've been talking about yeah, here. Yeah. There's loads going on in your lots life. Lots going on. <laughs> lots of very interesting things and exciting things. Um, I suppose emanating from the Ashburn area because that's where we live. But for me, um, and a couple of those would be Corn and Me. So Cornamy is a new uh, community choir that we established just in January of this year and we set ourselves a task of learning and performing the foray requiem in 12 weeks and we did it and it was fantastic we had a concert in April so um, that group is going from strength to strength they're going to meet for a summer project and then hopefully continue but we also have we train Ashburn Church Choir as you probably know so they're very active in the local community Ashburn Youth Choir was set up in September also and that's a children's choir a young person's choir of 25 um, Deirdre's son is actually in the choir so they do everything from musicals to madrigals to church music and so on. Um, Devisi, you'll hear in a few minutes, Devisi is myself, Deirdre and Dervler with Ephraim accompanying sometimes and we sing three-part harmony, the three of us. And then also a very special group I've been involved with now for 10 years, Scola Hibernier. So we're a ladies group who sing chant, Gregorian chant and early paniphony and medieval music and they're a fantastic group. You might get a chance to, to play something of ours at some stage. Yes. Fantastic. Yeah, uh, no, yeah. we have something lined Lovely. up. Is that what you gave me it earlier is, on? It is, oh, it is. It's lined it up is. and we are going to hear it finishing out today. Yeah, yeah. Uh, God, talk about people immersed in music. But isn't music the soul of life? Oh, it is. What would life be without music? I just think very it'd be dull, so wouldn't it? dull, wouldn't very, it? It, it would, really it would. would. Yeah, I yeah. think it's uplifting and it means different. I mentioned the hymns and that there mm, as well. But mm. music means so much to so many people at milestones in their life it as does. well. You know, it really does. So I'm dying to hear you. I'm dying to, <laughs> Ephraim, can you, can you take your place there behind the keyboard? So just explain to me, this is the three of you? This is the three of us to VC. So it's Deirdre McCabe, that's who I it. know well. <laughs> Deirdre, Deirdre Walsh. Walsh is here as well. And yourself. And you're going to sing a beautiful, beautiful oh, song. We're going to sing a beautiful song, possibly for a lot of people, one of their favourite songs. So it's Somewhere Over the Rainbow um, by Howard Arlen and a lovely um, three-part arrangement that we have here. Very, very special arrangement. Judy Garland originally, yes. Judy Garland, Way yeah. back in that famous That's movie. it. We don't have the pigtails. We should have thought of that. Follow the yellow brick road, yes. <laughs> Anyway, away we go, Davici, and you will uh, sing for us now the beautiful song, Somewhere Over the Rainbow.
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Heavenly. <laughs> Let me just, you're only getting a solo round of applause because I'm hearing me own with you, but uh, I'm sure the multitudes are clapping as well. You've been listening to Giovanna Feely, Dervla Walsh and Deirdre McCabe, accompanied by Ephraim Feely and Somewhere Over the Rainbow. Absolutely fantastic, Thank ladies. You. you have wonderful, wonderful harmonies, haven't you? We do. And as I said, you know, um, the girls here do a lot of singing. We all do. And we sang together, actually, in Ashburn Church Choir for years. But it's a new venture to sing together. And as you heard, we've three very different voices. Yes. But I think the passion that we all have and the, the bond we have in creating beautiful music together, you know, brings something special out. Here's something I couldn't do. How do you listen to each other yet deliver <laughs> those distinct harmonies? Is that difficult? It's a, it's a learned skill. Absolutely is a learned skill. And it involves a lot of trust, I think, between people. And likewise, with Ephraim playing, I mean, it's a very intricate accompaniment. He's listening to our breathing. We're all, we're all working as one unit together. So it's something that you learn over time and something where I think your personality as a musician and a collaborator is very important to work with others. So what do you do? Like, typically, where do you perform or who looks for you? What's your gigs? Uh, wide range of places, <laughs> isn't it? Yeah. Um, so, so we sing for events in our local community, yeah, okay. um, corporate events. People also ask us to sing for drinks receptions for yes. for their business functions. Um, we're hoping with Ashburn Twenty Twenty coming up, there'll be great celebrations in the town that we'll be able to do some performances there and just draw people into that kind of beautiful music. Mm, oh yes, there is a real demand for it, and you would enhance any occasion. <laughs> I say that here today, you really would. Uh, is it difficult, uh, blessed art thou, amongst women? 
there for him. He loves every minute of it. I do, actually, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if truth be told, I do. I know the Italian yeah. is the boss in that house, no, no, anyway. No. Yeah. I suppose, I mean, I'm, I'm, I teach in the girls' school as well, so I'm used to being surrounded by women. <laughs> Good you know, man yourself. And loving every minute of this, as well. What about writing, composing, and coming up with new stuff? It, it must be a real challenge. Well... You know, it probably isn't. You know, I mean, <laughs> it comes it, easy, doesn't it? If you're gifted like everyone yeah. yeah. does. Well, yeah. you know, you sit down at the piano and you have an idea, you have a sketch, you might have a text, um, you might have words of a poem, you know, because I, I write more than just church music. Of course, of course. Yeah. Mm. Um, and you just see what happens. Mm. And I, I really believe that improvisation is the first cousin of composition. So you just sit down doodle around and you get a nice chord or a nice melodic mm. pattern and you run with it. Is it endless what you can produce in terms of music in the world? Is there a finite no. amount? You know, no. like land, you can't create any no. more of it. No, no. 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 just keep going. Stravinsky said that there's still much music to be written in C major. You have eight notes <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. and, you know, even though mathematically I presume there's a, yeah. there's a finite combination, yeah. but no, that's no, not. No. Endless. Mm. But when you think back to the time of the great composers and the works that they, yeah. uh, you know, put together in their era, it's marvellous, isn't I, it? I think when you're talking about human expression, which is what music is, there's never a limit. Mm. Ne- never a limit. Yeah, we are limitless people, mm. but limited resources. Remember that on the green agenda. I'm just mentioning that today <laughs> in case you ever forget it. <laughs> anyway, what's happening immediately? Anything in the in the near future that we should look out for? There is. There we have a summer sounds project with Cornamy, and um, we are going to start rehearsing on 24th of June in Ashburn. People are very welcome if they'd like to make contact to come along, and we're hoping in the few weeks over the summer to prepare a beautiful program of choral music, which will be performed in Dublin city centre the weekend of the first of September. So that's. That's what's coming up straight away. Mm. Um, Ashburn Church Choir is singing at Dunlavin Arts Festival on the 23rd of June. So that's coming up. And we'll be singing all through the summer and all day, Terrific. every day and mm-hmm. making music. Back to your children. What ages are they? They're five, three and two. Ah, they're small. But they're they, small. I bet you they're showing musical oh, songs. Absolutely. Oh, they are. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Oh, yeah. Well, we yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So there's lots of music in our house. Yeah, of course. Yeah. That's yeah, yeah. the surround of it. It's inevitable a, that they'll be following in the Footsteps. They will. We had a funny instant briefly just um, a couple of years ago that Scola Hibernia, another group I'm involved with, were singing at a mass, singing a beautiful piece that Ephraim wrote. Actually, Sweet was the song. Um, it's the Virgin's Lullaby, but Lucy, my eldest, was with us and she was three and a half, four at the time. She didn't get we were performing in public, so she started singing along <laughs> in she her own it. voice. She and it was the one time we were recording and you think, hmm, maybe not, you know. <laughs> but music is so natural to children anyway. Yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We're going to play out with Gregorian chant. Is that right? Yes. Well, the piece you might, you're going to hear now is a setting of the Stabat Mater. So it alternates uh, Gregorian chant verses with three-part verses. And you're just going to hear a short clip by Giuseppe Tartini. So um, it's a very moving piece and a very beautiful piece in terms of harmonies and a text people are very familiar with. I'll say thank you very much to you all for coming thank today you. and thank singing you. that wonderful song to us. A big thank you to Deirdre McCabe and Dervla Walsh and of course uh, the Feelies, Giovanna and Ephraim. Wish you all well with your work and your singing going forward and it's been a real pleasure thank to you. have thank you. you join us on Late Lunch today. Thank, thank you, you very, very much. much. Thank you.
Just reminding you that this Friday is a big day. Yes, it guaranteed 130 million in the Euro Millions Mega Draw jackpot. And we've got cold hard cash from the National Lottery to give away. Keep an eye on LMFM's Facebook page for your chance to share the dream and win this Friday. Can you only imagine? Imagine if you won it. Sure, it wasn't one out the road in Bellewston and that area only a few weeks back. They know what it's all about. Will I say the words? Could be you. Hope it's me. <laughs> I better buy a ticket to make it happen. Anyway, let's move on on late lunch this afternoon. Uh, you know we're all into entrepreneurs and business on the show and we've always done our best to promote uh, businesses and new business ideas from the Loudmead area over the years on late lunch. Well, today we're going to meet the three best young entrepreneurs in the Royal County, in County Mead this year. Yes, they've been successful in Ireland's Best Young Entrepreneur 2019. We met the Loud crew a few weeks ago. Now it's time for the Royals. And I'm delighted to welcome to Late Lunch this afternoon, Kiro Hay, Business Advisor with the Leo in Meath. Uh, also joining us, Best Business Idea winner, Shane Hamilton from BeatSpeak. Best Startup Business, Niall Smith from BookingHawk.com. And Best Established Business, our Caulfields Country Boards. And Pierce Caulfield is here. You're all welcome to the show. Good to see you all. If I could begin with yourself, Kira. What about this crop and the, we have the winners here today and this year in Mead, what's it been like? Oh, Jerry, it's been absolutely fantastic for ourselves in Mead. Um, we're absolutely so proud of Shane, Niall and Pierce as our finalists and our representatives for Mead for next week's regional finals. But more importantly, the iBuy competition, I suppose, started for us back in January. And this year in Mead, we actually had record applications in. We had over 63 applications in. So fair to say, Jerry, that the entrepreneurial spirit is alive and well and thriving in County Mead so we're absolutely delighted um, our competition back in March it was uh, hung goes very very busy as the lads know um, very jam packed we had an enterprise day then we had shortlist the 63 down to 18 to take part in our intensive boot camp and then we brought through 15 finalists for our county final um, at the start of May um, and Shane Niall and, and Pierce obviously tipped the bill they're representing each of their ca- categories in the county and we're extremely proud of them and not just to say that we had high uh, applications, but the calibre was extremely high. So this year, really, really strong, very competitive. But at the same time, all the applicants and all the finalists came together to help each other out and to mm. build networks and stuff. And the guys will tell you later, they have like friends for life now through the yeah. iBuy competition. This is a wonderful process. And, and I know we're at this stage this year, but do, if you're listening today and you have a business idea, start up one that's in the early years of progression or established you're always welcome to take part in this competition. Absolutely, Jerry. Yeah, we'll be kicking it all off again in January 2020. Yeah. So keep an eye on our website um, and our, our roadside billboards and bus shelters. We love to spread the word of iBuy. Um, but absolutely, Jerry, the Leo is always there to help businesses, whether they're pre-start, whether they're startup or established. We have so many supports and services to help them to grow, to overcome challenges and to just help them expand. No, you're wonderful, wonderful people and, and you're there for people. That's the message you want to get out today. And just to say that the reason Regional final now, which is coming up next week, the, the best in me, the best in Loud, best in Cavan uh, and Monaghan Absolutely. all come together and then three go forward from that to the national finals. Is that or more? 
Uh, it's actually, yeah, the, the finalists of each of the categories will go through national finals in September in Google's European headquarters yeah. and there'll be 24 finalists at national level. Okay, and from this region we'll be sending three, is that it? From the uh, from, Yeah, from Cavan, Monaghan, Louth and Meath. Okay, so yeah. there'll be one in each category. Absolutely. The best of the counties going to the regional and then the best of that going to the national finals. Absolutely. It's exciting times and here we are in studio with potentially some national finalists here today. Isn't it great? Let's talk to uh, to them and see what they're about. First off, winner of Best Business Idea is Shane Hamilton from Beatspeak. And Shane, you were the overall winner as well, yes, in the county? Yes. Uh, you got two awards, two for the price of one. Yeah, it was a bit of a shock. I was hoping to place well in, in my category, but it, uh, it, was, it, was, it was great. Like, Now, tell our listeners today, because we want to find out a bit about you and this uh, idea. What is Beatspeak? Um, so... Um, BeatSpeak is, is our own patent pending technology where we pick up a heart rate and respiration rate from a video source. So the video could be a live camera or it could be an old video. Um, so what we do with that is uh, we're uh, marketing it to, to the medical industry. So, for instance, as it stands now, uh, nurses have to take a respiration pulse uh, depending on the condition of the patient, maybe once every hour or once every four hours. So um, our system sits in the ward and it just does it automatically. So it's, it can potentially save a nurse uh, up to eight hours. So per, it's per like week, the yeah. automatic blood pressure thing, is it? That's there. Do you know when you connect someone up and it takes blood pressure yeah, it's periodically? A, it's like that. So it just sits in the corner on a camera and uh, it, just, it just continuously monitors it. Uh, and as soon as something goes wrong, it, it notifies the staff. So it, it, what it's doing is it's saving time. So yes. uh, so the nurses can focus on what they're, they're really good at. You are automating a process that's yeah. manual at the moment. So, for example, if the HSC deployed it across its uh, 10,000 beds, it would save the HSC 1.5 hours of work, 1.5 million hours of work a year. And, that's a uh, lot of hours. So it would be the equivalent of them getting 300 new staff overnight. So, um, and that's only the HSE in Ireland. This has worldwide yeah, potential, so, hasn't it? So the uh, NHS is roughly 14 times larger, and then the US market is 93 times larger. <laughs> oh my, you could be onto something really special <laughs> here for sure. So just explain it again. Is it like a little camera device or something like that? You're rooting around. Have you yeah, got I have it in my pocket here, but okay. it's not great for radio. Yeah, no, 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 it doesn't matter. <laughs> Don't worry, I'll, I'll bring it to life. That's, <laughs> that's what I'm here for. Yeah, it's it's like a little iPod. Do you remember? You won't. Do you remember iPods? Does anyone here remember iPods? I'm not far off that, am I? I, I really aren't here. It's like a little iPod. That's all, and that's a little camera in the front of it. Yeah, there is it. Camera, yeah. And where it, where is that situated? On a what? Where, where? How close does it have to be to me? Or, or? um, it, it can be anywhere in, in in a typical room. Like it's it. The range doesn't really uh, okay. matter so much. It's the resolution. So, uh, but typically, in most wards, you might have curtains and stuff. So you might have one per bed, essentially. Okay. Yeah. So one of these per bed that is strategically placed. Yeah. And it does what you're saying there. It yeah. takes the pulse. The pulse, is it about the pulse? The pulse and the respiration rate, yeah. So okay. It's similar to an ECG machine. Yeah, so without the wires and stuff. So it's Of course. Yeah. yeah. So, so the key little features in this, it's a neat little thing, isn't it? It's yeah. very neat. Have you come up? Did you design this? So yeah, so it's it's, it's a software product, and so that's kind of just the hardware it sits on. But uh, to kind of bring it to market, it has to get medical device certification. So that's kind of the big challenge for us now is getting it certified. Uh, so that's our next step. Uh, but yeah, I developed the, the software uh, last year. So then uh, I went forward and and took part in Enterprise Ireland's Phase One and Phase Two, and then in IBYE. So this is just just getting started. It 
it's some start for you. And I'd <laughs> say there's a lot of interest in this. Would that be fair to say? Yeah, we're speaking to three three huge big companies uh, uh, kind of about licensing it. Because, like I said, the biggest challenge for us is, is getting it certified, which, mm. which can cost cost uh, a fortune. Mm. So, and while we're doing this, we've also made a second product uh, targeting security industry. So airport security, uh, stuff like this, picking up, you know, people with infection or stuff like this. So, um yeah, that's where we stand at the moment. So there's uh, uh, spin-offs and offshoots from, yeah, well, from this also. we can't sell this until we get it certified. Because that's, mm. uh, so while we're doing the certification process, which will take a couple of months, we're selling the product into, yeah. into the What's your background? Uh, I suppose engineer. A mm. uh, bit of everything. I like, <laughs> I like building stuff. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it helps. It really yeah. does help. Anyway, listen, congratulations to you. I really like it. Uh, and we'll get a picture of this up and we'll put it on our social media in a little while so you'll be able to see what it's like. So you are best start-up. Uh, best idea. Best idea. Now, let's come to the start-up because uh, the man who won the day in the start-up is with us as well. The business is called BookingHawk.com and Niall Smith is with us on Late Lunch. Niall, you're very welcome to the show. Again, tell our listeners, what is BookingHawk.com? So BookingHawk.com is a low-cost, easy-to-use, simple online booking system. So um, what it does for businesses that use it, and the businesses that use it would be ones that depend on bookings. Um, so it'll reduce their administration, it'll increase their revenue, increase their efficiency, and um, essentially save them time. What they can do with it is they can put a link to it on their website or their Facebook page and allows clients to access their calendar and make bookings and pay deposits, booking deposits um, in advance. So it's it's proven really effective in eliminating no-shows. Anyone who's running a business that takes bookings will know how frustrating that is, whether they're getting a class ready or they've got a clinic and they've set their day up and it's, you know, their time costs money. This is a way of getting somebody to, to actually put some skin in the game and, and book their appointment and pay a deposit. But there's other things in there too that, that help the business out. So, for example, they can keep notes on their clients. Um, it'll send text message reminders. It'll help them keep secure notes, so um, which will comply with GDPR. Um, and also, it can run a waiting list as well. So, the, the business can see if there's enough demand to put on maybe a more few, few more appointments in the evening or maybe another class, depending on the type of business. So, would it apply to a restaurant? Uh, a restaurant isn't the, isn't the category we're, we're targeting right now, right? But yeah, for sure, that's that's down the line. Yeah, it's very talking about no shows. I was we had a yeah. story here of somebody booking a table just at the weekend, the, the bank holiday weekend, and not showing up and giving yeah. no notice. It just comes to mind yeah. as I speak. It, to you, it's, you know, it, it's it's high. It's in news a lot now for restaurants, but restaurants aren't unique. Anyone running a business, depending on bookings, feels okay. the same. So pain. thinking of a physiotherapy, uh, maybe practice dental, all that type of thing. Yeah, so we'd have. Uh, right on, on the system right now we'd have physiotherapists dietitians and um, nutritionists but we'd also have people running arts and crafts workshops and mm. um, people running um, it's very popular actually for people running Pilates classes or yoga classes um, and um, yeah we even have there's a, an alpaca farm tour over in Trim using it so they're definitely our, our most uh, So you take the booking the payments and the administration of all that off that responsibility off somebody. Yeah, so it's it, that's it on the surface level. But what we found our feedback from our clients is is because it's so simple to use. Um, and and like really, my background is software, so I love writing code or playing around with software systems. Okay. But people running a business don't want to be doing that. So this is nice and simple. It sits there in the background, um, easy to use. It, it makes them money, and you know they don't have to worry too much about how to configure it or complicated mm. things like that. How long are you operating? 
So just the end of March 2018, uh, the business incorporated. Okay, a year and a quarter, so the year yeah. and three months you're on the go. And I was looking at some of the testimonials on your website today. Lots of people like this. They do, yeah. And, and it's really, you know, like I said, I, I built a system and that's the easy part for me. But the hard part is, is spreading the word and getting, getting the marketing message out there. Like the people on the system love it and, and they, they're delighted with the value they get from it. But it's just we need to tell people that the system mm. exists. Well, we're telling them today. Yeah. Check it out. Bookinghawk.com. Go That's in it. and look at it and you'll get a real feel for what it's about. And you'll hear what people are, who are saying who are using it at the moment. want to take a short break. We'll be back with the guys here. We have one more man waiting patiently to talk to us. Best established business in Meath. And more to come from Meath's best young entrepreneurs in a couple of moments. Meath's best young entrepreneurs are with us on Late Lunch today. And the best established business. Yes, we've met them before on late launches, Caulfield's country boards and representing the PLC here today is Pierce Caulfield. Pierce, it's really good to see you again on the show. Thanks for dropping back to us on Late Lunch. Do you know how I remember the kitchens? I did say it to you there. <laughs> Your sister, the miner from Australia. Yeah. I'm right, aren't I? It sticks out. It does, it does, it does it indeed. Does. Anyway, I loved, you know, the last time we were here. It's a couple of yeah. years ago, isn't it, at this it's stage? It's about three years ago oh now. Oh, God, is it that long? But yeah. I love the concept you have. Just remind listeners what you do, what you produce. Yeah, so Caulfield Country Boards is a manufacturing and design company that specializes specialises in the manufacturing of hardwood kitchenware, homeware and giftware. We supply over 150 shops throughout the country, such as Brown Thomas and Kilkenny and Meadows and Byrne. But not only that, since we last met, we've diversified and now we're hitting into new markets, such as the hospitality industry and into the corporate industry. Okay, so you have uh, developed uh, uh, new customers for yourselves. God, those names you mentioned there in retail are all top of the pops for sure. And you're in there and and doing well. Is it a a difficult market? Is it a difficult game to compete in or do you have a niche? Yeah, I guess guess it was a difficult market to break into, but we've kind of... Uh, we've built a f- steady foundation for us to build upon now with the shops that we that we supply into. Um, plus, we've also gained a bit of ground back from imported products. So mm. we're offering a superior product um, with a longer life cycle. Um, it's fully sustainable and uh, it's made here in Ireland uh, Specifically in Canada. I just see you ticking all the boxes. Look at all the boxes. You see that sustainability thing? You don't don't have to tell you about that. Very important at the moment. So important it is. Yeah, especially with timber and everything like that. Three years ago when you came here, was that early days for you? How long are you trading? Yeah, so we're trading five years. So we would have been in the midst Mm. of trying to gather customers at that stage. Um, We would have had a couple of high profile customers, but we've we've definitely established ourselves now within the sectors. Um, with with the retail sector, especially with 150 shops, were well known. The brand is growing, and then it kind of it was a spin off for us to start supplying into the restaurant trade. So mm. we supply high end restaurants, hotels, and bars with serving and promotional material. Okay, um, and then we've got in with some corporate companies with the likes of Teelings and Slane Whiskey, and we're mm. doing uh, specialized products for them, own branded products. What's your best seller? Within the within our range, um, we've actually launched a new collection called our Native Collection, where we've uh, enlisted the help of our younger sister, who is a fine artist, and she did the drawings of all native animals to Ireland. So we took her sketches 
and through laser technology we laser engraved her sketches onto the board so it's mm-hmm. native Irish timber native Irish animals and it's an Irish company producing brilliant, all these products brilliant brilliant and these are kitchen utensils boards etc all yeah. done in timber we have a full we have a full range now of homeware and giftware check them out gift. they have a website and all you, you you just check them out and see what they have Caulfield's country boards this means a lot to you to be acknowledged by the young entrepreneur and this process has been really beneficial yeah absolutely it's it's a nice opportunity to get a little bit of feedback from peers when you go up and 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 meet everybody that's taken part but also a little bit of recognition for putting in the hard work and the graft that we did coming Mm. out of the recession um and and the local enterprise board has been a help from the start to through right up till now to competing within the mm. competition. It's great. Let me go back to Niall Smith for a moment. Are, are, are you all set for the, the, the big event next week? Yeah, well, in this game, it's it's there's so much happening that it's nearly day to day. But yeah, I, I, I put a lot of preparation in for next week. Um, so it's not just my own business that I, I feel I'm representing. You know, there were some very talented finalists in the, in the yeah. media award and, and it's, you know, I'm carrying it forward for them as well because mm. um, they're brilliant at their businesses and they love what they do. So, mm. Um, yeah, no, it's important that I it gets respect. And you're getting up, or you're up against the best of the best from Loudmead, Cavan, and um, well, you're made Loud, Cavan, and Monaghan, and yourself yeah. are all there. So it is. It's getting more intense, and yeah. everybody's at a level when you go there. Yeah, it is. It, I mean, it's a competition, but at the, at the end of the day, we're all in the same boat. We're all trying mm. to make success of our yeah, business, yeah. and mm. um, that's something that the, the local enterprise office have been really helpful with. Mm. You know, competition is the word there, but it, it's really, as Pierre said, we're learning from each other. And uh, just a quick mention to Fiona Carmody, who's been a brilliant mentor. I can't rec- can't speak highly enough of her. I've learned so much from her. I was only saying to the lads, I wish I met her a few years ago. You know? yeah, she's a great woman. Yeah. She's been sitting in this studio with me in the past. And you, you just know that as soon as yeah. you meet her and you get into the nitty gritty with yeah. her. She's wonderful. Uh, Niall, back to you. Uh, just to uh, talk again uh, about, um, uh, sorry, back to Shane, I beg your pardon. Shane uh, Hamilton Beatspeak, who was the overall winner and best business idea. Um you have some potential, I say this again to you, in what you have. What would it mean to go to the national final to you? It's funny, actually, myself and Niall were second, uh, last and last people to go into pitch. And we came out of it and we were about, oh, messed that up, we bottled that. And the two of us got to... Got to <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Hopefully it happens again. But to, to get to the finals, it would be amazing uh, yeah. for me. And just, uh, again, the validation and... Uh, it just it would be incredible just to get to the final. To get to the final. You want to say hello to somebody level. before we finish? Uh, yeah, so my granddad John Black from Julianstown. So hopefully he's listening. He's listening today. Yeah. Hello, John. He wanted to say hello to you. We're almost out of time. My producer is saying time to go, time to go. But before we do, Kiro, hey, exciting times ahead. Good luck to you from me in the regional finals. It's great to have you with us today. Thanks for coming in. Thanks, Will. We do appreciate it. Anyway, best of luck to all of you going forward. Shane Hamilton, Niall Smith, and Pierce Caulfield, and to all the finalists in the regional one next week. The best of luck to you all. Thank you for joining me on Late Lunch today. You're at Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Thursday afternoon. If you popped into your car in Clanny and drove to Clanmel, you'd clock up 178 kilometres. There's a 100 euro one for all voucher for grabs today on Late Lunch. If you got that right answer, lots of text and WhatsApp messages as well. And the... uh, Voucher today is going to Emer O'Brien. Well done to you. We'll be in touch. And don't forget, Windsor, Clanny, Nissan and Peugeot are celebrating the 192 Open Day this Saturday. And we'll be there with our outside broadcast unit. And if you entered the competition this week on Late Lunch for the One for All vouchers, you're in the draw for a family pass to Dublin Zoo. And uh, thanks to everybody who entered today. Another chance on Late Lunch tomorrow for you. The County Loud Agricultural Show 
is on Sunday in Belorgan Park in Dundalk, full to the brim of activities. Besides the farming and the agriculture, there's Bonnie Baby, Arts and Crafts, Food and Trade Stands, there's a free children's zone. It's free in for children and the car parking is free. And if you'd like to win some entrance tickets with complimentary food on the day, gourmet food, I have to say, then check out LMFM's Facebook page. Get to it. And uh, don't forget either of you fancy a pair of uh, new shoes for the summer. Go to the Facebook page. There's lots happening on LMFM's Facebook page, you know. You win a 50-euro footwear voucher every day this week. And it's to celebrate the new summer range at Ireland's largest shoe store, Shoe City in Castle Blaney. And good luck to you with that one there as well. Late lunch, LMFM radio, as I said a moment ago. Final break of the afternoon. And afterwards, we're joined by a lady who's very familiar to you. I haven't spoken to her for a while on late lunch. Her name is Nicola Conley Barn. She's from, of course, I Am Positive Mindset. But she has a story you'll want to hear, I promise you. I'll ask you a question and ponder it for a moment. If you saw a violent assault taking place right where you were, what would you do? Would you step in? Would you do nothing? Would you call the guardie? Well, my next guest was in that particular scenario last weekend and she did intervene. But sadly, nobody else did. I'm delighted to welcome back to Late Lunch a lady you know well. It's Nicola Connolly Byrne from I Am Positive Mindset. Nicola, really good to see you again. Thank you for joining Great to see you too, Jerry. Thanks for having me on. Now, we don't want to uh, put anyone in the spotlight here in terms of where this mm-hmm. happened because it happened in a prominent place. There were a lot of people there, I will tell listeners today. I do know where it happened and you were there. Just explain what you saw happening. OK. Well, I was with my family and there was another family about one metre in front of me. So we were in a sitting position. I happened to make a phone call and the, the person's phone that I was calling was a child. And my own son was sitting to my right hand side. My husband had literally just left 10 seconds before to go to a different location. So unfortunately, I was on my own with my child. The next I heard was choking sounds, like loud choking sounds. So I dropped the phone. I actually didn't, after the event, I didn't even know where the phone was, but I had dropped the phone. And I proceeded to scream into this man's face to try and get him away from this woman who was in a extremely vulnerable position. Her neck was bent right back over, not even at a 90 degree angle, Jerry, further than that. And he was choking her. Now, at the beginning, she was making sounds, but then the sound stopped. And I continued to scream in his face and continued to scream in his face. And as I screamed in his face, I snapped him into reality a little bit. And he pulled back, pushed forward, made a swipe at me. I reacted quickly, pulled back. He smacked the child that was beside him and went back in to choke this lady for a second time. So this man was actually intent on choking the life out of this woman. Is Mm. that your... Well, perception of what happened. Yeah, like I mean, Jerry, it wasn't. They weren't playing tennis. Yeah, okay. So it was a very serious incident. You, you, you just reacted on instinct, and in you went, and 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 tried to do what you could. You're a woman 100%. against a big man. There were lots of people around, looking onlookers, looking at this. There was hundreds going. of people where I was, and people right next to this incident saw this going on. Yeah, nobody else came into the scene at all to try. N- not and one person other than my own child. He went to run and get his daddy. 
um, he was the only other person who asked me if I needed help. Not one person asked me if I needed backup, but nobody asked that lady if she needed backup or if they could do anything for her. Not even if they asked her if they needed help. Nobody even reacted, Jerry. Now, what I witnessed was horrific and it wasn't very pleasant. I didn't sleep very well the night that it happened. But what's disturbing me more, Jerry, is that nobody came to help. That's the bit that's really getting me now. Mm. So, an indifference to what was going on. People standing, mm. mouths open, but actually not taking any action. What happened? Did You know, would you intensely at him to stop? Mm. Did he eventually let go? He eventually did. When he went in for the second time, I mean, his face was purple. He was spitting. He was he was all in, Jerry. He was all in. He was not stopping. Now, if there had been nobody around, he, I know for sure he wouldn't have stopped. But with me, with the screaming in his face, and I'm sure there was expletives. I'm, I won't make any excuse for that. I have no problem with that whatsoever. Um, when I When I want to be loud, I can be very loud. And I was very loud that day. I can tell you I wouldn't have needed a megaphone. Eventually he did back off and as he was walking backwards, he was kind of giving it the large one, kind of trying to come back in, but not coming back in. So I was walking towards him with my hands up saying, just back off, get lost, get out of here. The security did come. The security were very quick, Jerry. They did come, put their hands, put his, put his hands behind his back and took him away. And it was at that point that my own husband came back into the room. Um, he didn't know what he was coming back in on top of. He just saw the whole, people were upset and this man was been taken away. But I I pondered on it for a couple of days and decided that I was going to do a live stream about it um, to ask the public the question, what would you do if you found yourself in that situation? What did you do then? Did you, were the guards called? I instructed the staff to keep the man on site. I also instructed the staff to call the guardie, which they did do. So, um, and the guards came, but it was a little while before they arrived. Yes, yeah, yeah. It was it was about forty five minutes, maybe an hour later. How was the lady? Oh, she was. She, she took a panic attack afterwards. The child was hysterical. Um, there was a lot of tears. There was a lot of shaking. There was a lot of not being able to catch her breath. So I left where I was and I went around to where she was and I knelt in front of her and put my two arms around her and her child and just spoke to them to try mm. and just bring them back down, back down, back down to earth. Because when you've experienced a situation like that, you're out of yourself. You know, mm. you're out of yourself, which she was and, and the child was too. But I eventually, you know, talked them down to some degree um, and, you know, chat to them about my own experiences and try to normalise the situation really for the child. Um, not that it's normal, that is not normal, but I tried to I understand. take the shame away from what had happened. Do you know what I'm saying? Do you know much about this? Do these two people know one another or do you want to say anything about that? Um, they do know each other very well, um, but they're not the a man couple. The man and the woman. They're okay. not a couple. The guards come uh, eventually. Mm-hmm. Is the man arrested? What, do you know what happened subsequently? Or was I do, he there? I do know what happened. Um, he had left the premises at that stage. He didn't stay. Um, the guards did go to his home. He wasn't found. And he hasn't been found since. And um, there is a protection order in place at the moment, an interim protection order in place at the moment. I'm staying in constant contact with this person because I want to make sure that she's going to be okay. 
You've a message there, yeah. have you? That uh, I asked her this morning if there was anything that because I'm her voice here, Jerry. Mm. You know, I'm not speaking on behalf of myself at the moment. I'm speaking on behalf of this lady, and I asked her the question. You know, if you did have an opportunity to say something to the public, what is it that you would say? So this is what the person said. Just because there are a lot of people around, don't assume someone will step in. The more people around, the less likely someone will step in. Take action. Thanks to your action, my daughter doesn't blame herself. She is still worried about the person, but she never would have got a chance to voice that if she did not get a chance to talk to you and to her family. You gave her her voice in the system. The children have no voice and they feel they are to blame. And she speaks a lot about um, Section 47. Mm. So that child was deeply impacted, obviously, uh, by what went on there in a very public place with lots of people around and a very well-known place as well. Mm -hmm. Um, It's shocking, isn't it? The shock is, the, the event is awful and hopefully the Guardian and the authorities will deal with that mm-hmm. in the proper manner. But to think that, God, you'd have to take action. You couldn't let somebody... Well, for me, you definitely have to take action, Jerry. But the feedback on my page was the following. The majority of people would say, absolutely, I'd step in. Absolutely, I'd interject to some degree. There was a vast minority of people who said that they wouldn't interject simply because they were victims of violent crimes. And their instinct in that situation is to retract and recoil. I get that. Mm. I understand that. I can 100% empathise with that situation. But statistically, Jerry, not everybody in that room on that day was a victim of a violent crime. So, you know, what's the excuse around that? Another, a lot of people ask me how many people recorded the incident. Now, I didn't see anybody recording the incident. I don't know if the incident was recorded. However, that's kind of the culture that we can see emerging. But Jerry, we need to take action that that's not the culture. Yeah. We need to do things and show the young people coming up that that is not the culture. Filming something is useless, really. Right, it it is evidential afterwards, I understand that. Mm. But if you don't take action on the spot, Mm. well, I'm afraid it's a sad world we're in and a sad place we're in at this point in time. You wanted to come on today just to highlight this and to appeal to people. If you find yourself in a situation, don't leave the victim. Don't allow a situation. If you can do anything, get in there and do the best you can. And of course, always call security and the authorities. I'm almost out of time. I want to say this before you go. Congratulations on your win recently in the Emerging New Business category, Networks Ireland Loud Businesswoman of the Year Awards. Thank you so much, Congratulations to you on that. And one other word. You're heading to Haiti. Well, there's well, talk of yes. me heading to Haiti. And you're looking for something, though, quickly. I am. Uh, Joe Clancy of Haiti Orphanage Project is looking for underwear for all age groups for girls. Okay. They absolutely have zero underwear. If you have access to purchase on that or getting donations, contact me directly through IamPositiveMindset.ie and I will make arrangements for me to collect that from you. Lovely to see you. Nicola Byrne, thank you for calling in to tell us that story You're very today. welcome. I really do appreciate it. That's a lot on Late Lunch for this Thursday afternoon. One more to do before the end of the week. See you tomorrow at half one. And we're away in the company of Who Louise. Who have we today? Who's going out? Pink. Who knew? (laughs) Nice one to leave you with today. See you tomorrow. You took my hand. You showed me how. You promised me you'd be around. Uh Uh-huh. That's right. I took your words and I believed in everything. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.